0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. I've got an incredible, incredible show for everyone today. Um, Everyone who knows me knows, first of all, I'm Italian. Um, They also know that I owned a poker league, Miz Night Owl Poker. So I love poker, and I love being Italian, and I just love doing this show, and I love bringing a lot of info to everybody. I have an incredible guest co-host with me today that everyone on Remember Then Radio should know. Um, I'm going to actually let him introduce himself first, and then we're going to bring on our legendary guest. Hello, co host Hello,
1: I'm Stevie Dunham. I'm the owner of Street Corner Entertainment Records, and I also do a radio show every Thursday here on Remember Then Radio. And it's great to be your co-host today, Jerry, it's a pleasure, and uh, we're going to have an exciting, informative show.
0: We are, and everyone really knows you as Stevie D, right? Yes. Stevie D is in the house on the Jerry Petito Show. How cool is that?
1: It's pretty cool, I Uh, think so. I love
0: this, I love this. So, we have uh, uh, an incredible guest today. Um, This is going to be off the charts, this interview, especially for someone like me. I mean, I can't wait. Um, Would you like to do the honors since you introduced us?
1: Yes, I'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, This individual is a legend in Las Vegas. He's done many, many things over the years in his career, various things that are very important, um, some colorful, um, very exciting. He's an iconic character of our city. And he's, uh, when I say legend, I mean it because he really is. And right now, I'd like to introduce to everybody, Mr. Frankie Citro. Hello.
0: Well, thank you
1: very much.
2: Woo! Hey, uh, hey, Gary, how you doing? Listen, let me start off by saying hello to your, your, your audience out there. you gang. Listen, uh, I want to tell you, this is the first time, that, and I've been looking forward to it for quite some time, to doing this interview. So it's a little new for me, so hopefully uh, I, I will uh, uh, pique some interest out there, and we're going to try to make it as fun and, and informative as possible. For those of you who don't know me, I want to tell you from the outset, I don't lie. I've been around a long time, and I don't care who comes in front of me, I'll tell it like it is, and my uh, history precedes me to tell you that I'm telling you the truth, and... Uh, It's going to be fun. I just know it is. And I'm going to be looking forward to the whole show. And and I want to say something from the outset, Jerry. Yes, of course. You know, we're going to probably cover a lot of different things today. It'd be impossible to go into details. So we're going to touch a lot of different spots. And if your audience likes what they hear and you like what you hear, I'd be more than happy to come back at a different time. And we'll just pick out one or two different things and talk about that the whole show. But today, we're going to cover a lot of bases. So, gang, fashion your (laughs) seatbelt. We never do anything like this in your life.
0: Listen, this is so great. Yes, my seatbelt's fastened. Yes, my seatbelt is absolutely fastened. Steve, Steve, Stevie's in the house.
2: I'm sorry, I didn't need to talk over you. Yes. Hello? Hello? Did you want to say something? You know, I I was thinking, because this is the New York area, I want to tell you, I want to kick it off with some music. Is that okay?
0: We sure can, but before we do that, I want to
2: tell you... Let me tell you you what I want to do here. Uh, You just alluded to the fact that you're Italian, I'm Italian, and I just recently did something for a, a couple, a friend of mine who was Italian who passed away, and left a lovely woman, and she was uh, left to the wayside because of the doctors ate up all the money. Mm. And so, I, we did an event a couple of weeks ago that I want to uh, let you people know about. And Stevie and a few of my other friends came, jumped in the water. It's never, ever been done before. We made a real celebration of life for my friend Joe Boggivani, mm. which you can find that we put it on the YouTube but you know what Jerry let's start off with a song that I did and I'm not much of a singer but I love that doo anyway this is one of their favorite songs all the music was picked from their lives together and this is the one that I would like to start out with a group was the passions this is my version is this is my love
0: excellent let's do it guys (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. Was absolutely beautiful. That was beautiful.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much, Stevie. Yeah, you know, what I want you to do because let's bounce this back and forth. Why don't you introduce my little friend and your little friend for the next song that was done on the show? Oh, sure.
1: Um, as uh, Frankie said, this is a celebration of life by ceremony. Um, none of us really ever did anything like this before, so this is rather unique. when Rose liked growing up or something similar to that likeness. And uh, it blew them away, really. It was a really mind-blower for everybody there. Um, There wasn't a dry eye in the house. Yeah, not a dry eye in the house. Uh, The next person that came up to see was uh, Street Corner Entertainment's very own Ramon Altamirano. And he did his uh, interpretation of Daddy's Home
0: out really nice wow okay so you guys ready let's, yeah, play, ready. It. let's, let's, let's play it let's
1: play
2: it let's do it
1: He's home. Uh, what we did on the 45 release of him was an off-the-melody arrangement of, of the same song, which is doing very well for the record label. And uh, Ramon is just an amazing talent. Yes, And he's, he's very humble, and he's a man of faith.
0: Yes, beautiful. Yes, he is. Beautiful. I got Listen, to...
2: Uh, yes. Let me I... cut in here for a second, because uh, uh, before Stevie gets along in the tooth, I want to tell you, Jerry and gang out there, but the next fellow who performed on this year's show, he's been on my side for over 30 years, folks. But you know, this man has more talent than most people deserve to have. He writes, he sings, he directs, he's got his own record label, he's wrote his own book. He's co-hosting today. (laughs) And like everybody else, there wasn't a hesitation when I asked him to come help me Celebrate my friend's life Ladies and gentlemen He's bringing a song out today From the archives Doing it for you Is Mr. Stevie Dunham Thank you Frankie Thank you very
1: much
0: oh, Here we go baby Woo
2: so.
0: Incredible!
1: Incredible! That's a B side, actually. You know that? That's a B side of uh, "Love Call" by the Airs called uh, "Somewhere in My Heart." Right? Yeah. You know, I think like, the archives. There's no doubt about that. It's all in the delivery, I think uh, after the response that was received after that, that was pretty uh, proven that people enjoyed that. They loved it. They loved it. Now let, let
2: me uh, now tell you about who's going to come and perform for you. Uh, this man is a solo artist now. But When I tell you he has performed uh, in front of multi-millions of people for many years, he was the former lead singer of Herb Reed's world-renowned platters. This man does his version of this next song. He really makes a contribution to the event Ladies and gentlemen, please
0: enjoy the sounds of Mr. Frank Pizarro. Beautiful. So-
2: You. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. That was have, fantastic.
0: Absolutely beautiful. Thank Everybody's you, loving it. Yes.
1: You. I had to do something uh, on regard to one of our friends that's in Italy right now. He wanted uh, a shout out, and that song is for you, Stefano. Stefano Velasquez, she sings in Freddie Velasquez in the silver tones. He says, Please, he says, you're going on the radio today? dedicated song to us. So there you go, pal. That's for you, and it's for everybody else out there, too. That's, that's great. beautiful. Yeah.
0: Frank, I want to let you know that uh, Steve and Angel are in the house. They're in the chat room. They're saying hello to you. They love you. So I just wanted to let you know that.
1: Well, thank you very much. Hey, thank Jerry, you. we got a couple of celebrities that are listening right now, too. Larry Chance in, from the Earls, and also Stan Ziska from the Del Satins. I talked to them this morning, they're tuned in they're So, to your show. I
0: love them and I got to hug Larry on my birthday. I got to uh, finally meet him and hug him on my birthday. So I
1: can't wait to go back east and
0: eat a creepy drama <laughs> with him. <laughs> so cool. I love you guys. So should we start the interview? Just try it
2: with me. All right. Yeah,
0: do it. So I have some really cool questions, and I know everyone out there's going to want to hear the answers. So, Frank, what kind of work did you do when you lived in New Jersey?
2: Well, the things that I could probably talk about is from a very young age. I mean, I was a, a cabinet maker. I worked with my brother, and my uncle, and then we wind up having our own lumber yard. And, and then I was I got into framing houses and a whole bunch of other things, you know. And I lived in New Jersey, and, but most of the time when I did any work in the, the clubs, uh, it was in New York, because I would separate uh, people, be able to find out where I was, because a lot of the times I was working as a bouncer, as a very young guy, and uh, that could bring a lot of problems. And besides, I was doing some other things that uh,
0: society at the time, and even today, might say it was not uh, culture, you know? Okay. And
2: then... Uh, I also was performing too, I mean, I I, I did so many different things, but basically, you know, uh, uh, I was a jack of all trades, and I loved doing everything that I did, and I'm not making any uh, bones about some of the bad things I did, I did it, I can't change that, but I've been trying to, uh, some of these last years, uh, and... uh, hopefully it might make a difference. I, I, I'm trying anyway, you know.
0: So. Beautiful. So why did you relocate to Vegas?
2: Well, to be quite honest with you, uh, listen, they've done many documentaries on me from the best companies around the world. And, and I talk about it in the documentary, but basically what it was is this here, A friend of mine in a uh, back home, not going to drop names and stuff today. I'm not doing that. That's not my style. But a friend of mine was in some serious trouble and the government wanted me to testify against him. My testimony would have put him away for the rest of his life. That never ever was going to happen. First of all, I would never testify against even an enemy and forget about doing it to a friend of mine. So I took it upon myself to go on the Gideon. I got out of town. Because what they threatened to do was to keep me in jail in the the length of the trial. Now, that could have lasted five, six years, and there would have been no results. You understand? Mm. I'd have to sit down all that time, and I wasn't going to do it. And without me, they had no case. So, I picked up, and uh, I went to Las Vegas, and I decided to stay, you know? And uh, there's a lot of things that happened in between, but... That's the real reason. I wasn't going to testify against anybody. And uh, my friend walked, and uh, I've been in uh, Vegas all this time. So then that leads... Uh, well, I that count in the times I was living in those government uh, <laughs> housing projects.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, that leads me to my next question. And I think we're going to have all some right. fun with this because I need the answers, sweetheart. I heard from a really good source, <clears throat> co-host, um, I heard from a really good source, you have been the first on a few things in Vegas.
2: Right, right, well, you know, uh, I, I, I wanted to really talk about something first, uh, and you know, there's some people out there uh, that know that I'm doing this show for the first time, including some of my children. You know, and uh, you know, uh, I, I I'm pretty sure my son is listening, and he means everything to me, like all my other children. And he was the reason why I stopped doing a lot of different things in life. Uh, is no secret. I went to prison, and when I was in prison, I swore I would never go back. And my son, who was just a baby at the time, is the reason why I made some promises his mother, myself, and him. And yeah. so what happened was that uh, before I did some of these first things, uh, Jerry, I was at odds with Metro almost from the time I got here. I was living with a friend of mine from New Jersey who became a, a real big eye roller in the poker uh, field. And uh, what happened was, he was dating a girl for a short period of time, and I mean, they really hit it off, and the next thing you know, him and I were number one and number two suspects in a murder, and they really, really put the heat on us, and and, uh, I knew I didn't do it, and I really believed he didn't do it. And it took almost seven to eight years before they found out who really did do it. And Metro, I was at odds with them right from the beginning because I would try to prove my innocence, and they didn't like it. They didn't like it that I had the castañas to go rip people out of that friggin' house to get the answers that they didn't have the nerve to do. You understand? Know wow. And it was a big, big investigation. Uh, of a girl that they murdered and tortured from the Union Plaza, you know? And uh, so I was at odds with them right away. They hated me, you know what I'm saying I And I was the type of guy that, in my whole life, it, it didn't matter to me, how and any and what they brought with them. You want to bring it on? Let's do it, you know? Not that I was a martyr or a hero, but I wasn't going to put up with anybody's uh, bullshit, you know what I'm saying so. uh And so, that, which took a lot of years, like I told you, I earned a lot of people's respect in a lot of different police departments, including uh, the FBI and stuff like that. And uh, the story about this person that got murdered, which is such a tragedy, is for another time, maybe on your show, you know, wow, and getting back to your question is, is that over the years? Uh, I did so many different things. I was the first guy that ever dealt in a casino with a mustache. I refused to shave my mustache off when nobody uh, uh, you know, was allowed to. My father had a mustache when he was in the service. It didn't deter him from being a good soldier. And I expressed that to the people at the Fremont Hotel. I was working uh, over there as a shill and a dealer. And uh, they wanted me to shave and I said, I ain't doing it. And uh because I refused to shave it off and, and did such a good job, next thing you know, other people around uh, the city start saying, well, if that guy did it, boom, and, and then it became all right to have a mustache. The reason why they didn't want it, because it was like a old sinister thing for a guy to have a mustache, if you watch old, old cartoons. You know the villain always had a mustache, right? And
0: that was their idea about that. Oh wow! Know? So, so wait, I have I have to elaborate on that. So, what you're saying is it's because of you that now these dealers can have a mustache? Absolutely, that is so cool! Oh my goodness! Okay,
2: yeah, I also, I also was the first guy to refuse to split my tips, which in those days we used to call chokes. Yes, okay? nobody wanted to deal the high stakes. Rarely ever tip. They only wanted to deal the the, the low-limit games. uh, I'll get to what that means. But I would deal the high-limit games because I knew these guys, and I would give them a great game, and they would tip me. And then when they saw the money that I was making, they wanted to share. I ain't sharing my money. Everybody's got to go for themselves. If you don't deal with good game, then you aren't going to get tipped. But I wasn't giving up none of my money. Uh, That—that—that's that, concrete, you know. And then uh, the snatch games—people uh, would come to Las Vegas and they get robbed. They sit in these here low limit games, and the dealer's job was to take as much money out of the possible. And many years later on, uh, so many people complained. Some of the people that I was involved with in the poker circle, like the friend I used to live with, we sat down and helped the gaming board, who also now hates me, you know, uh, to help them write some of the laws uh, for poker. And they still stand today, where they can only take so much money out of a pot. You know what i So, I mean, I could just go on and go on about uh, different things, you know. There's so many... You know, but I just wanted
0: to touch base with that there for you. But wait, I I, I want to elaborate on that because I'm also a poker dealer. Um, so, yes. yes. I used to have a, I used to have a club. Uh, yeah, I used to have a club. I used to have a poker in the front and liquor in the back. <laughs> <look? laughs> but listen, we had a club in Trenton. It was called The Joint. And we dealt yeah. games Then and we had cops watching it for us. We had a buzzer. Hey, crazy times, but I have a question. So um, back then, so when you when you guys had to split tokes, you got that change, so now that's why we do not have to? Well, you
2: know, I'm sorry, you didn't come uh, I didn't hear exactly. Okay. Uh, some of the things that we wrote back in the early 70s, uh, some of the laws pertaining to what they do today. That's so you know, cool. It only takes so much. They can only take so much money out of a pot, or that you have to pay for your seat. A lot of this stuff has carried on to California and other places where when people go play poker, poker has... I, I was one of the original dealers of the World Series of Poker.
0: Wow. I was
1: often uh, curious about that. I was going to ask that.
2: Yeah. Okay. This is another reason why they hated me, because I always had too much knowledge, you know what I'm saying? Knowledge could be a problem sometimes. Yeah. Not that I was ever accused of being a genius, but that's another story. Wow,
0: okay. this is so cool. So you met a lot of the original older poker players then in the World Series. I
2: knew every one of them. Wow. I knew every one of them.
0: they are so cool. Okay, this is great.
2: <laughs> I, still think, I still think once in a while, you know, uh, in fact, I made a joke the other day because for those of you that don't know, I, I am not allowed in any casino. But uh, I, because of this virus nonsense that's going around the world, Las Vegas is basically shut down, like every other place. I made a joke. I said, "I think I'm going to hit six or seven casinos tomorrow." <laughs>
0: so, tell us about that. Tell us, but but Frank, tell us about that. Why you tell us about that? The black book.
2: You, you, the, the black book. Okay. Uh, this might take a minute for me to try to explain okay? Yes, yes. Uh, the black book the black book is a common name used but it's really not black in color it's actually a silver gray it's called the black book but it's really entitled the list of excluded persons this means that a person who is in that book is not allowed to step in to any casino in the state of Nevada, which then transposed to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is supposed to be uh, written by the Gaming Commission and, and all of that to protect the casinos from unsavory people. Now, unfortunately for me, I'm one of the original members of the Black Book. I was one of the reasons why they wrote it. I think I'm the 21st one. At any rate, I unfortunately have the distinction of being the only person in history that's not allowed in any casino in the world. Now, let me tell you what this
0: means. Oh, wow.
2: The state of Nevada, this is not a badge of honor. The state of Nevada put me in the black book and there's a a lot of things I could talk about but I can't do it right now. Like I said, I'll come back another time. This is selective enforcement. In any other state, it would be constitutionally illegal but they wrote the laws and these are the same people you gotta fight. I'm still fighting the game commission all these years. I'm the only person in the book that never ever was accused of cheating, robbing a casino. I'm the only person that never even had an argument with somebody in the casino. And why the hell am I in there? I'll tell you basically why. I know who the bastard was who suggested my name, which is another story. But they put me in there because they hated Italians from back east. These so-called... Uh, uh, westerner goo dooders, what I call them, right? And they put me in there because I was very uncooperative with them, you understand? Like I told you earlier about with the murder case and stuff like that. There was no reason for them to put me in this book. They have no, but they put me in because I'm Italian. They don't like Italians, you understand? And it's very prejudicial. Well, you know, things have changed over these years, Jerry.
0: Wow. You know, it's
2: not like it used to be. It's not like it used to be. And then, you know, I'm the type of guy that not too many things I'm afraid of. I used to terrorize them. When I went before the gaming board, I think it was in 1994, I showed up in a tuxedo, which I'm world famous for. And I terrorized them. They didn't know what to do. They postponed that meeting that day for about three hours. They came back and they canceled it and brought us back three weeks later. And when the reporters asked me why, I showed up in the tuxedo. This was what I told them, which was over the years changed up a few times. And this is what I said. When I was released from prison, I says immediately there was people at my door that requested my to this meeting here today. They didn't request it. They demanded. You understand? But well, that was my way of sticking it back up their kids You understand? So I says, the paperwork was a little blurry. I didn't know whether it said black book or black tie. So I didn't want to show any kind of disrespect because I'd never been nominated for anything. So I showed up in a tuxedo. I said, instead of them giving me an Oscar, they gave me the friggin' boot. And they completely <coughs> went berserk.
0: Wow.
2: <laughs> and I don't care. Screw them. I don't need them. Uh, you know, they think it's, a, you know, like, they got to, let me tell you, they probably saved me a lot of money. And listen, I want to go back in the casino. Let me tell you something. If they were to take me out of the book, which I'm trying to do because I've been a good guy for a long time, let me tell you something, every casino would want me to be a, one of, a host for them because people would flock in to, to hear the stories and, and, and stuff like that. You know, they forgive the people like Malcolm, uh, the, the, the the guy that built billions of dollars, Milner or whatever his name was. You know, they forgive all these. Listen, if you're one of these Taliban guys, you can walk into that one of these casinos. Yeah, I'm notorious. If somebody sees me, they're going to be scared to death. Gonna run.
0: So shit, this but wait, I have a question. <laughs> yeah, <I'm sorry. laughs>
2: I'm sorry. I was ranting, I guess. I no, sorry.
0: you're allowed to rant. Listen, I have a question, though. So, you know, we have yeah. we have a casino here in Philly. It's called Parks Casino. Okay. Correct. And wh- how would anyone recognize you or know? They wouldn't. You've never, like, thought, yeah, let me just correct. run in?
2: Listen, and years, years ago, listen, the casinos have so much money, they spend multi-millions of dollars on different type of security. They got things that most people don't have. Okay. Now, let me give you an example. Uh, all the bigger casinos, they do it because they can write off the money that they spend. You understand? Now, many, many years ago, how they used to do it is they used to have Pictures of people that they didn't want in the casino at all the the desk throughout the casino in the 21 pit, in the dice pit, in the Kino Lab, every place they would have. And if somebody spotted you, then they would call security, you understand? Know and what would happen was is, is they would come confront you. And if they saw that you were one of those people, the law the they had to give you an opportunity to leave the casino. If you didn't want to leave, then they would arrest
0: you. Okay. okay.
2: So what has happened over the years with all the technology, I mean, we really come a long way. If you've ever been in any casino, you see they have those little balls on the ceiling. Well, those are cameras. They're special kind of cameras. Yes. And I'm going to do it for the layman. What they would do is they would, punch in your, what they called your DNA, what you look like, before during and after and they would have like a radar beam that would go around the casino continuously so if if someone met that description it would lock you on like a missile security would be uh uh you know come to you wherever you were like you know in the minutes they'd bring you into an office and find out if you were or weren't the person that the, that missile uh, laser locked onto. Now they changed the law, if I was to do that, and I got caught in the casino, they arrest you. Well, before they give you an opportunity to, uh, to leave. Yeah, they and i will not you how for me. I'm anymore, the then. greatest survivor. I'm sorry, see, I'm the greatest survival story you ever heard in your life. Let me tell you what they did to me. I'm not allowed on even casino property. Forget about in the casino. So if anybody's been to Las Vegas and been downtown, which is the original Las Vegas, Fremont Street is the original Las Vegas. People don't. They think the strippers. No, that came much later. But they did this thing called the Fremont Experience some years ago. And what they did, they attached a dome from one side of the street to the other side from casino to casino. So you know what that meant? That I can't even walk down Fremont Street now without being subject to being arrested because the license now covers that street. Yeah. How would you like to live there? <laughs> that's, that's very true. That's what they did. That's what they did. That's <laughs> what they did. So uh, they, they're, they're very unforgiving. I'm hoping in the near future that we're going to be doing something. Uh, we're going to be going up in front of the, and hopefully they'll show a little kindness, which they have never done. If you're in the black book, you're there even after you pass.
0: So, for but we'd have a question about that because this is intriguing to me. So you're telling me that even from back then, they've sent this to the casinos today and said, put this in in your camera mechanism in case someone you sits call down. You,
1: uh, Jerry, uh, facial recognition technology. And it's what Frankie had said. They take your photograph from years ago, they superimpose it to what you would look like over the years.
0: Oh, my gosh. And
1: if they spot you in a property, then they will uh, come up to you, they will uh, accost you. Um, They won't, if you, uh, like in Frankie's case, if you're a notorious character of of such being in the black book, you will be arrested on site. There is no negotiation.
0: Oh, wow. yeah, I actually a couple of times thought about going in like real football, Yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <'Cause I couldn't laughs> <lose> the <high laughs> they they can't <laughs> stop you, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! All right, it's well that was interesting. Of these days,
1: uh, you can do something that's totally uh, harmless to what you think would regard as being harmless. You can't even sneeze. Wrong in a casino, and they will ask you to leave, or they will throw you out of the casino.
2: Yet you can get some of these Taliban people that go in and out. Nobody says a word to them. They're chopping people's heads off, and yet I, I I don't see it. I don't see. Listen, so many years have gone by. I don't understand. Yet I, yes, I do. You know they listen. They don't want to lose their paycheck. The Gaming Commission—they don't want to listen. They got more corruption in the Gaming Commission than any place else, and they're the ones who are supposed to keep out corruption. Right? You know
0: what I'm
2: saying? Right. Uh, wow. You know, he's got no safe call. I have a lawyer that's been working on it with me for years, and uh I, I, I have created a lot of firsts there. Uh, I did the things that no one ever has done. I spoke. I was the only one that ever spoke at the Gaming Commission hearing where everybody else just put their head down, not me. I ain't a half a fag, I'm telling you, I ain't doing it, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I got something to say, you're going to hear it, you know, and I usually say something nice about people. Oh, unless somebody is really bad, then I'll tell you (laughs) that the person's no good. Otherwise, I I, I wouldn't. Wow. You
0: know...
2: Let's talk about maybe something else.
0: Stevie. All right, so I have a I have a question about the money drives and the toy drives. Tell us about all that.
2: Oh, uh, well, Jerry, I'm very proud of what I'm going to tell you. You know, and I got to tell you, truth, Stevie on numerous occasions was part of it. You know, Stevie was part of a couple of groups
1: I had. Yes. We have done a tremendous amount of shows over the years. Okay.
2: You know, every place. And, you know, many years ago, I was doing a show, and I put together a thing where uh, I did a lot of shows right here in Las Vegas at the Italian American Club. I probably did 80 shows there alone, you know? And what I would do when I did my Christmas show, I would ask everybody who came to bring a toy for the children of Child Haven. These are all the kids that have no mothers and fathers, who have been abused, you know, uh, they have different names for these associations in every different city, you know. And I would, without any doubt, get truckloads of toys. I would have people that year after year would be handling it, they would come and we would give all these toys to these kids I would never ask for anything. I got some very nice letters of commendation. And then what happened was, as the years went by, I started making money drives for them also. In other words, I would I would not only collect toys, I would collect money, and that would be for the ones that were, the, the older kids that didn't want a toy that might have needed a toaster or something, you know what I mean? So they could buy it for them. Yeah. and. What happened was numerous places saw what I was doing, more prominent, legitimate type people with big corporations or what, and they started doing it and I couldn't compete, but I still would do it, and so they got the, they got the, the credit for it, but I, Stevie,
1: Taylor I was the first one. Yeah, it, it was nothing, Jerry, to see a couple of 24-foot straight job trucks loaded with toys.
0: It was
1: wow. That, that's, it was just over, uh, it was just a, a tremendous uh, amount of uh, donations that came about through
2: this type of thing. And, and, and Jer- Jerry, I, I, I don't mean to talk over you, I, when I tell you, the people respected me so much. I would say to them, I want an unwrapped toy. It has to be, you know, you know like five hours or less. I don't care, you know, because everybody's budget. up. Let me tell you something. I didn't get too many five-hour toys. They right. A lot more. Right. Very, impressive. very impressive it was.
1: This uh, um this for a long time, a lot of years, and these kids were very appreciative of it. And Frankie's right. Child aging is a... Uh, place it's a, it's the a same favorite house uh, for kids that are orphaned or they have been through abusive situations in their families and it's and they don't have anything so I mean yeah. money and, and toys for these kids is, is very important and, and it's been going on for
2: a long time
0: Wow Jenny, beautiful I
2: I, I'm somewhat of a little bit of a collector I like the stuff or whatever. I had numerous tickets from different events that I printed up. And where it says right on there, bring a a toy for chocolate. Some of them I even said, don't show up if you don't have a toy.
0: (laughs) Nah, listen, I think that's awesome. Listen, first of all, what you're doing with this and what you started and created is incredible. I mean, think about that, right?
2: Well, I'm very happy I was able to be part of it. And you know what? I'm good with the people that uh, continue to do it, you know. But a lot of them have lost their zinc. They're, they're, they're you know, what they're actually doing. Okay. You don't
0: like to put your in your hand hand
2: soul into stuff like this. Yeah, like, like if it's a car place, right? They want people to come in and buy their cars. You understand? Me. I just wanted you to come and bring a toy for the kids. Right. Or a few dollars. Right. There, there was no gain for me. You understand what I'm saying? Right. But these people saw an opportunity... You know what I'm saying? So where's the selfishness there? Where you know? That's that's what it boils down to. You know. So. Well, you know. Dressed up in Santa Claus a few times too. Oh. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, good. Yeah. Uh, you you, 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 you. I'm telling you, I can't tell you all today, but one time, <laughs> Jerry, uh, the biggest uh, Harley Davidson business was right here in Las Vegas some years ago a guy uh, who did me a little favor, and I believe in returning favors. I'm a man who never breaks his word. He needed a favor, so he calls me up. He says, Frankie, he says, I need to call in that marker. I says, okay, well, I was, And well, he didn't know I was sick at the time. I really had a touch of pneumonia or whatever. I was sick. He says, I need you to play Santa. I should play Santa Claus. <laughs> well, I've done that before for the kids and whatever. He says, yeah, he says, I'm going to send you over a brand new outfit and be back poop. He says, where do you want me to be? He says, you got to go over to Harley Davidson on Easton. That was the biggest one in the world. He says, I want you to play Santa Claus and take the picture. Well, it's for a whole new episode of talking what transpired that day. Because I had so much trouble because I did I never been around people really while motorcycles so I didn't know the terminology and I would have these big gruppily guys say to me because I'm taking a picture with them just as Sandy Claus, you know and they would say come on be my bitch and I say well, <laughs> yes
0: yeah, anyway,
2: that's a whole different vocabulary I, I can't, <laughs> because I promise I wouldn't I would tell them <laughs> what they would have to do to their mother. <laughs> and this went on all day long. Uh, now, the guys that have taken all the pictures, they're yuppies. They, they said to me, hey, you're the guy who played the real the Bad Sander, shut the hell up. The bad
0: choice. Santa, that's great. So now,
2: two women, two women who worked there at Ollie, and they were kind of bull digestion. They were cool. I got no problem with what anybody is, you know. <clears throat> they say to me, uh, this is the, cause they wanted their picture taken look sad. And I just, they said to me, come on, be my bitch. And I said, Oh, here we go again. So this is what I found out. I said to them, can I ask you a question? They said, yeah. I says, truthfully, well, you look at me. Do I look like a fag? They said, no. I said, then why does everybody ask me to be their bitch? They says, oh, why were you around motorcycle people? I said, I never was around motorcycle. He says, they're not asking you to be a bitch. The bitch seat is where you sit. Oh! You need to sit on the motorcycle. Oh! <laughs> you, I got into almost a dozen fights with guys. Guess what? The owner called up the guy he says, I don't know who you sent over there, but I got a bonus check for him. <laughs> he says, you've got to get this guy to come back next year and do it. He says, this is the first year we didn't have a problem with anybody. Oh, my
0: gosh. <laughs> That's the gospel of truth, Jerry. That's great. Well, I have a, I, I have a... Ironically,
2: ironically... Well, my very, very good friends, who now lives down south, uh, remarried, uh, was the former uh, leader of the world's Hells Angels. And uh, I did, so it was another first I did. I gave him and his son, who had to go to prison a few years ago, a party, a fundraiser that made the the, the front page of the LA Times, you understand so what I did was the first. I've been a lot of firsts, and uh, so I got to know a little bit more about uh, the motorcycle life, because my friend, you understand, and uh, he went to prison, he did his time uh, with his son and all, and uh, he's been home a few years, got remarried, relocated, doing terrific, a great guy, I mean, he, he's like one molecule smaller than King Kong. He stands 6'10, 425 pounds, and he's a BMF.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow, Frank, but I have a lot of motorcycle friends, and I cannot wait to tell them this story. I even have female motorcycle it's, friends, okay?
2: True. You know what I want to do with you, too, if it's okay? Uh, I'll get the address from Stevie. You know, I did a big show. At the Hollywood Palladium, I wanted to tell you this when we were doing the music. I did this around 204. I had some of the greatest entertainment from New York, from Philly, from Detroit. I mean, from all over. You know what I'm saying? And I did the uh, at the Hollywood Palladium, which never was done in many, many years. It was the Cadillac show of shows. I want to send you a poster of the show, which is a collector's item because it's got my name on it and all the other people's pictures. And so I'll get the averages Oh, I would I love that. But being so nice to me, I want you to have that present.
0: Oh, I would love and that. There. So, listen, so how did you get involved in the music industry? Everybody wants to know.
2: Well, you know, it's really funny. I, uh, As I alluded to earlier in our Conversation from me. I've done a lot of different things. I lived in Jersey. I lived in Jersey City, and you know, I got involved with music by accident. I liked what I I heard. I got involved dancing. I'm a pretty good dancer for a guy my age, you know. And uh, my wife and I probably won every contest in the country. But uh, she, uh, you know, I I heard that Street Corner Harmony and and stuff like that, and I would, in between all my other little nonsenses, I would find time to sing with different people, and at those days, I could, I could chirp a little bit, you know, and then i stopped start promoting dances, and, and stuff like that, to earn a couple of hours, I always was an earner, you know, and, there was many groups, that I sat in on, and helped out, you know, you remember, uh, uh you remember, the story with Frankie, excuse me, <coughs> Frankie Lyman and the teenagers, and then he wasn't feeling well, and Herbert Santiago, he couldn't do the lead, and Frankie wind up doing it. Well, that happened with a couple of people that I went to the recording studio, and I helped out uh, because I knew the parts, you understand? Know right. And uh, I, I mean, I never asked for the money or the credit, but one of the groups was uh, a uh The good news is, I wish we were married, uh, Ronnie and the highlights from Jersey, you know. And ain't nobody promoted the Duprees more than me. You understand? Right from Jump Street. You understand? Right. I mean, uh, and all the Duprees that are out there today, not one of them are even close to an original. And they do a great job. There's no, I'm not, I'm not taking away from their talent, but I, I, I get a little upset. Because I lived it all, you know. I, I guess I get upset because so many things have happened to me where people change the story, you know. Okay. So, so uh, we also just, uh, did this. You uh, put the Heartaches uh, vocal group on oh, now. Of those Heartaches, Joanne and the Heartaches, those yes. kids are from downtown Jersey City. It'd be freezing cold. I'd bring them up in my house, and they would sing in the kitchen and practice <laughs> and whatever. They were fantastic. Uh, Let me ask you this question,
1: Frankie: Did you were you it, responsible for taking them to Stan Krause at Catamount Records?
2: You know, I I, I don't want to take the credit for that. I do I do remember a, a few different incidents. Stan, we lost them not too long ago. What a wonderful guy, a very, uh, a big-time promoter of the, the doo-wop uh, stuff. He had a record shop on Bergen Avenue for years. Cool. And, you know, you know, my memory doesn't really, you know, I, I like to take the credit and say, yes, I did. But, you know, I, I really don't, I probably know, I must have mentioned it him many times how great these kids were. And I know they went up there, you know, but, uh, you know, on another note, uh, which I, I said earlier, I wasn't the type of guy to put up with any nonsense. Uh, I used to go every time I, I, I'd come into town to go see Stan and buy records. I'd go, I'd go to Clifton Records. I'd buy records there. I'd go to Hackett. I went all over. I loved it. I got one of the best collections there is. Stevie, you tell you. Yeah, you know? yeah he does. Anyway, Stan Krause, who was not feeling well one time, I happened to walk in, I was, you know, I was living in Vegas, and I went there, and there was this guy giving him a problem, and Stan, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a tough guy of any kind, you know, and this guy was ripping him a new backside, and finally, I couldn't take it no more, and I said to so the guy, I said, you know, why don't you just leave? Well, I'm not a very big man in size, you know. Believe me, I fought them all. And this guy thought because he was, you know, bigger than me, that he had the best of it. Well, I always had a slogan, I'll be out of jail before you're out of the hospital.
0: <laughs> 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 anyway,
2: that guy never come back to bought his anymore.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Frankie, everyone is loving this interview. They're saying, keep him on. You're fantastic. I mean, this. You're listen. This is very funny, and this is incredible. Um, I'm having a blast. How's our co-host doing? Would you like to talk a little bit?
1: Well, you know, I've known David <laughs> for almost 30 years, so I mean, we've done a lot of stuff together through the years, and uh, he's one of my dearest, uh, closest friends in my life. There's nothing that would, would he ask if he asked me to do anything, I I do it uh, without any hesitation at all. Uh, and vice versa. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's just the kinship that we have. And, we, you know, we don't really see eye to eye because it's a real friendship. It's not one of those surface, scratch the surface type of uh, deals. I mean, it's a real life. It's like family. You know what I mean? Right. We, we're cons- you know, we're like family to each other. So we're going to go back and forth with various things, you know, and we have done. But, I mean, we've done a lot of positive things together and it's been worthwhile you know, and hopefully we can continue to do more of this, uh, positive stuff in the future. Um, you know, Frank is, uh, a gifted, uh, talented individual. i just about everything he touches, you know, like he said, he's a jack of all trades, which is true. I mean, uh, I can't beat him at cards, dominoes, or any of these games. You know what I mean? I mean, he just has a knack for all of this stuff. You know what I mean? And, uh, now, recently, and uh, we're going to talk about this in a little bit. Uh, he belongs to a backgammon club in Las Vegas for many years. And yes. This, a few months ago, they had uh, presented him with an award. Yes. Which is a very honorable thing to do, because he's been a part of that from the from the beginning when they started this club. Which is
2: uh, well, it goes back what forty years, Frankie? What do you think? Yeah. More than that, from the early seventies, I was one of the uh, original members, and I'm the only. Still living a member of the Las Vegas, I'm the oldest, not in number, but in tender, I'm the oldest member of the Las Vegas backgammon. floor.
0: Wow.
2: Yes. He's great, he's, a, he's an excellent backgammon player.
1: That's a game that's very, it's a very uh, difficult game to it's learn. It's more than luck, believe me. <laughs> it's more than luck. Yeah, you to be very skilled at that type of stuff. Um, Uh, He's been a mover and a shaker all of his life. Um, This type of music that we're involved in is like uh, an Achilles heel, you know. Uh, There's a passion there for it that he possesses that is born none. So uh, he's done a lot of great stuff for our music over the last, uh, I don't know, four or five decades for sure. Wow. And continues to do so. Nobody says no when they, when he asks somebody to do something. They do it unrelentlessly and even if we don't get paid, we do it anyway. Because we do it because you know, there's a reason why Frankie's doing something and we're there for him.
0: It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful.
2: Yes. Uh, I have asked Stevie and her numerous friends over the years to help participate in different affairs. If it was an event that was uh, that there was money involved, everybody got paid. But there'd be times you did a lot of charity work on uh, goodwill stuff. And that's what I think he really meant, is, is that if I ever asked somebody, I really didn't have anybody say no to me because of my relationship. Uh, the music, uh, from when I was just a little uh, guy, is... Uh, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I quit smoking three and a half years ago. This is this is my drugs. This is my alcohol. This is uh, this is my passion. This is what I like. This is what I want to sit down to and listen to when I'm with my wife. You understand what I'm saying? I, I don't want to hear nothing by uh, Michael Jackson, no matter how good the little bastard was. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't want to hear beat it, whip it, stick it. I want to hear something something that. You know, we in the backseat of a 57 Chevy mooching it up to. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's what I want to hear. Yeah. Jerry, one time I
1: gave him a record that he's all gay, Right? Oh, Lord. Okay. He had a record that he Basically. loved. He loved this group there from Jersey City, the Savoys. They're an acapella group. Yes. Right. Village, right? And they recorded for Catamount. The, one of the songs he recorded was When I Fall In Love, the old Evergreen Standard. He Uh-oh. loved this song. He loved it. He I foot. still love it. And he told me this story, so I called, I called Stan up and I asked him if he had any copies of that left, right? And he said, oh yeah. He said, Steve, I got copies. I said, so let me have one. Let me buy one. And one night we were bouncing around and I saw him out and I said, "Frankie, I got something for you. And he was totally elated. He says, you don't know what this means to me. And then he, Then he
2: reiterated the story about how his uh, his dog actually ate the record.
0: Oh my goodness!
2: What? I'm going to do. I'm going to do a caveat to this story, and and everything is true. I don't lie. Stevie, don't lie. This dog that I had, I had uh, a music room, right? And I probably had every bit of twenty-five thousand records in the thing. This same dog, when I tell you. Went and ate and scratched and broke seven of those forty-five and two albums of the same fucking of the same song.
0: <laughs> the same song, guys. The same song. <laughs>
2: I don't know how the dog knew that was the song. I don't know. And and, and I wanted to kill the tune dog, but I love the dog. You know what happened? To
1: me. I had a dog that did that. A rare album I left out. Uh, on my uh, by my stereo I came home, the dog ate a box of pens covered in blue ink it was a white pit bull <laughs> of a rare acapella album that I had and to this day I have not been able to the album so good didn't break the album I just chewed a corner of it but I can't find the record anyway it's very very rare I, I just hope that one day I can get another copy of it but yeah that's what they do you don't leave
0: your stuff out, otherwise way Oh anything. my goodness. <clears throat> yeah. You know,
2: I I, I want to just say something, uh, because things just pop in my head. I want to talk about my, my children for a second and the sure. music. Sure, You know, I got children of all different ages, two from my first wife when I was married in New Jersey, and two from my second present wife uh, here in uh, Los Angeles, and it's amazing. Each of my children know so many different genres of music. They all love the sounds of the 50s and early 60s, the doo-wop the yeah. acapella. They know every song because it was my passion, it became their passion. My son, who, who I see on a regular basis, I mean, this guy knows more music than average band, believe me. And you know, it's so much fun. It's just, you know, that song that you played a while back ago, you know, and then I come, and he would put it on, you know, and, and uh, it, it just throws the daylights out of me that he has compassion that I have. But he has it for other music too. And it's me, and so do I. But my favorite is that, and I love that my children, all different ages, Love this stuff, you know. And when I say children, my son's thirty-two years old, you know. but right. He's still
0: my little boy, you know. So. Well, I yeah. mean, my my right. daughter's thirty-nine, and she loves. You know, I I grew up uh, with the oldies. I love all that, you know. And of course, Elvis, you know. And my daughter's thirty-nine, and she loves all the oldies and the duop. I mean, it was they were blessed to have us play the music for them, and that's why they love it. <laughs>
2: Little, you, just said, yeah. you just said something. I want to tell you. You mentioned Elvis Presley. You know, I was his personal bodyguard for quite some time.
0: What are you talking about?
2: Yeah, Elvis and I had a whole relationship. Uh, I can't discuss a lot of things, but uh, we were real good pals, and he loved me. And uh, sometime, uh, maybe I'll tell you about it. It uh, was very. I, uh, very- Fantastic, mysterious place,
1: especially in its heyday, Jerry. And I knew everybody. Wait. There are certain elements of it that are still around today. Not many. But there's still a couple of places that you can go to where you get a taste of what old Las Vegas was like.
0: But wait, Stevie. American wait. Club, I'm interrupting North you. Wait.
1: Lager, uh, Bistro uh, and nightclub. And there's, uh, there might be one or two other places now, too, that are... that where you can go and listen to jazz and some of the older uh, Vegas uh, icons stroll in. It's a really, really cool place. Everybody kind of knows everybody in in the entertainment business here to a degree. If they don't know you personally, they know your reputation. Um, And it's really a fun uh, cavalcade of people to be around and share stories like
0: this. But wait a minute. I have to go back to the Elvis Presley thing. Hold on, guys. So Frankie... So you knew Elvis then, yes. obviously. Doing very well. So do you know who I got to interview, who I'm now very good friends with? His nurse, Marion.
2: Yeah. But she, she came later, I believe. Uh, let me just give you a little tidbit, because you have to understand I can't say certain Right, things, I understand,
0: you know? I understand.
2: So, so uh, I wind up meeting Elvis through his doctor. Okay. He was my doctor at the time. He was the doctor to the stars. Uh, Elias gotham you know. And uh, Elvis, you know, he had uh, those guys that were with him for years, the Memphis Mafia, you know. And uh, so Elvis had a problem. Again, I'm trying to think as I say. He had a problem. And nobody could solve it for him. So the doctor says, I know a guy that uh, might be able to help you out there that's very trustworthy, be papoo, you know. So so Elvis says, okay, I'll meet with him. And we had a nice little meeting, and uh, he told me what his problem was. And uh, he says, do you think that you could help me with it? He says, nobody else. I said, well, how long have they been working on it? He says, almost five months, and nobody could uh, solve this. So, he said, you think you could, uh, I said, well, I don't want to make any guarantees, you know, but, uh, so we agreed on the amount of money, because I don't work for nothing, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, it was less than 48 hours that I got a hold of him. And, uh, I said, you ain't got no more problem. He said, what? I said your problem is gone forever. Don't worry about it. You can sleep at nights. Anyway, he couldn't believe it. I he sent for me. I went to meet him. In those days, I still to go in the casino. He was at the Hilton. He fell totally in love with me for, for being the person I was, and he really wanted me to be with him forever. And. Uh, I kept on deflecting him. I didn't want to do that. He wanted to give me more extra than he promised me. I wouldn't take that and that's what he he could never understand cuz everybody else used to try to cipher for whatever they could get out of that young man. And truthfully, he would come to Las Vegas and he would call me and I would meet him at night to go have something to eat together or whatever and just him and I. Just him wow. And I. I didn't want to be around all this. Is would be tough guys. You understand what I'm saying? And he wanted me to go to work for him, and, then he, and I said, no, I would never do it. Uh, I said, if you ever need me, I'm available. Said, Why won't you? He says, well, I'm not going to say who, like I said earlier, but one of his guys that was with him from young, early days, I didn't like at all. I didn't like him at all. And I thought he was full of shit, and I thought he was a punk, no matter how tough he was. And I always said to him, I says, one day, I says this guy will disappoint you. And I was right, because when Elvis died, he, and he, if he was his real friend, he wouldn't have let him die. You know what I'm And I says, if I was with you, he wouldn't be around. End of story. And Elvis understood, and he went and told this person, you're very lucky that this is an honorable man, because you wouldn't be here right now. And, and you know what? I, it always broke my heart because I was right. When the time came for him to protect him, he didn't do it. And I wouldn't do that to somebody I love. I wouldn't. You know? So anyway, that's a little tidbit about my, my power over
0: Well, know? thank you for that information.
2: I got, I got one other thing. Let me tell you something. My wife, my wife, lived together going on 46 years. And her day... But she's up there a little bit. She stopped an eight day bike race. That's how beautiful she is. You understand? I still see the same girl I met 46 years ago. I'm telling you, a perfect hourglass figure, a face of a Madonna. Sculptured by Da Vinci. I'm telling you. Now, she's looking at me right now because she's sitting across the room. I, haven't, I don't want to talk like this about her. Anyway, we go see Elvis at the Hilton one time. No, oh, no, no. We went to go see Way Noon or whoever it was. And we used to have our own big booth and everything because I had a few aisles and everything. And they would have like four aisles that you would go down. And my wife and I walk in, and she was so radiant. And I wasn't bed looking for a guy my age put together a nice suit. And what kind of, I say, oh, my God. Because this is the days of Vegas, Vegas. You Who's that? Oh, my God. And who was coming down the other aisle on the other side was Elvis Presley. And nobody looked at him. (sighs) He saw me and my wife. You understand? And then later on, he said to me, you know... Did you have to walk in the same time? He was mad at me. Oh my God! I'm Elvis Presley. Oh my Somebody God! at me. They were looking at you.
0: Too. Oh my gosh! That, I mean? He was so sweet. I
2: mean, not mad, but even to tell you, I'm Elvis Presley. He was supposed to look at me. Right.
0: That's great. Wow. You just made my day even more. I got to tell you. Wow. <laughs>
2: Jerry, once
1: yeah. time Frankie well, Frankie we would do this to me all the time. we we go bounce around to Las Vegas, right? He calls me up. He says, we're going to go out to dinner. I said, okay, Because we do we do it once in a while. You know, we go to different places try different things. No big deal. It'd be normal. And so we go up to this place, Capizolis right, which is an old Vegas joint. Uh, who right. knew of... Legendary talent that played in Vegas through the fifties and sixties, seventies, and whatnot. We pull up in the car. He says, "Look," he says, "We're having dinner with this guy." I said, "Okay." He says, "Be on your best behavior." He says, "Don't be an asshole. Don't embarrass me." I go, "Who we having dinner with?" He says, "Tom Jones." (laughs) He says, "No, (laughs) true. We're having dinner with Tom Jones. He's waiting for us." Yeah. And we,
0: have,
1: uh, was, oh. we had a lot of that stuff. Oh. Yeah,
0: with him? It's amazing. Had
1: a nice meal, dessert, smoked cigars, all this stuff. And there was like, I don't know, but what, Frankie, 15 of yeah, us there? Sitting in a private you're room, separated from the rest of the restaurant with a velvet curtain. Yeah.
0: You know, I'm just, I'm just putting this out there, Frankie, baby. You know, you could hook. Jerry up with an interview with some of these incredible people. Just saying, honey, just saying.
2: No, it's, I know, I mean,
1: living here, you meet all kinds of people in your life and all walks of life. So, I mean, this is this is uh, it's a bedroom community for celebrities to a degree. And, you know, to be a part of that culture is really, really uh, exciting and impressive. And, you know, it, it's like a it's like a family to a degree. I mean, because we do really, like I said before, we all know each other to a degree. Right. So, makes it, so it's a large city of three million people, but it's got a small town
2: mentality. Right. If you, if you understand that, that Yeah.
0: Means. It's beautiful. Yeah, and,
2: and there's certain people you're going to bother with, and certain people you're not going to bother with, you know? And, and what happens to me, Jerry, uh, see, something like this here is good for me in, in, in a lot of ways, is because... Uh, I forget a lot of stuff because it doesn't come up in conversation and then, then something will trigger a memory, you understand? Or you, know, you ask a question or Steven and, 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 and a host of other things have come up, you know? But, uh, hopefully I got a couple of things on the fence right now. Uh, maybe some of this stuff is, uh, is going to come out and, uh, we'll be talking about it in detail and, uh, Hopefully, your audience is liking what they hear hearing.
0: They're loving it.
2: Well, you know, they let's, uh, let's go this direction real quick. You don't
1: have to. You don't have to elaborate specifically, but I mean, you got a couple of projects on the fence that are very important. You want to talk about oh, big time. Yeah,
2: that's fine. Yeah, hey, listen. I- I'll start off by saying this here, what just happened, uh, and a lot of people. Uh, can I do a little advertisement here, Jerry? I wa-
0: actually, I want you to do advertising. So listen, we're gonna we're gonna close the show at like three forty five. So you've got plenty of time. Um, you can okay. talk and talk until then, and tell them anything you want want them to know. Advertise your butt off. Well,
2: uh, okay. So guys, start now. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this is this is uh, what I'm gonna say. For those of you who uh, who want to go... Because to, uh, I'm not a computer person. I don't even know how to turn one on. In fact, my son gets on my my back all the time. because says, Dad, you better stop learning. And he's <laughs> trying to scare me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's starting to get a little violent. Anyway, uh, but uh, if you go to the computer and punch in Frankie or Frank Citro, you'll find me on a tremendous amount of spots. And one of the things that you'll find on there... Is I did my own TV series a a few years back ago. It was called Tough Guy. And, you know, I know because people tell me that, that they watch numerous clips of it on there, you know. And just recently, in the last two and a half weeks, ironically, some people who were writing a new TV series happened to find my Tough Guy series, watched about five episodes called up a friend of mine who they didn't know who was involved with me in that series and he says I know the guy personally he says I did he's what they're writing me in their own series right now plus I, I was contracted for a movie coming up and there's another guy from New York I don't want to mention his name and he's very prominent. And uh, they're thinking about either doing a book, a documentary, or something. There's several different things going on. And if things pop and I like, go up before the gaming commission, there's going to be a lot of stuff out there. Uh, I'm going to probably get with Stevie and put out a couple of records. Oh, yeah, we will. Do an album, and I'm going to put out a novelty album because I'm known to do all that stuff. Yes, and and uh, I'm probably going to be doing a couple. Uh, uh DVDs of, of of some of my stories and uh, things of that nature, and I'm known to do a whole bunch of jokes, but I don't think I can do them on the air with you people, because some of them are a little off cover. You know, let me elaborate on something about
1: the uh, TV series Tough Guy. That was one of the first reality shows on Hulu, when Hulu television first started out. So that's that's a, that's kind of like a first right there.
2: Wow. It was,
1: before it became uh, a pay-per-view uh, network on uh, aside from cable, it was a downloadable or live stream, one of the first live stream uh, things on the computer for, for
2: broadcasting. So that's uh, interesting. It's where the it I- was actually nominated. It was actually nominated better than Cur- Your Enthusiasm at the time. Wow. It's impressive. It's very impressive. You know, I don't really care for that show. I really don't. Yeah, but I'm just saying, that was
1: the number one show. Right. And mine was so real. Wow. It was so real. If you, you wanted the show, Jerry, which you probably, your interest is probably peaked now. It is very funny.
0: Tough guys.
1: It's, uh, it really is funny. I mean, the, su- the situations that, uh, the how it was written... The situations that Frankie's put into in certain uh, circumstances really, uh, it's, it seems like a square peg in a round hole type circumstance, but it makes it really uh, uh, entertaining to see. Cool. It's not a typical reality show per se.
0: Okay, beautiful.
1: You know? Frankie doesn't do scripts very well, uh, respectfully. He, he, he doesn't have to. He can he can mimic and uh, do his spontaneously. He doesn't have
2: to do that. So that make, that's what made that show so successful. In the beginning, they had writers, and they didn't know about a guy like me and you know, all my background and this and that, you know. And they were trying to write, and listen, if, if you're a writer and you try to make a pair of shoes, you can't do it. So I got to a point where we were exhausted with what they were doing, and I said, look, guys, I've done everything you wanted me to do, let's try it my way, and uh, we tried it my way, without a script, I just said, just put me in a situation, and let me deal with it the way I would do on a normal basis any day in my life, and that's what made it a success, after doing it just 15 minutes, they called Paul to the production, and they said, that's what we're doing, and all I would ask them to do was tell me what kind of clothes they wanted me to wear to wherever I was going, whether it be a dress, clothes, tag, you know, stuff like that. And it was, and I walked away for it because, uh, but for your audience out there, Jerry,
0: I'm a real funny guy when it comes to certain things. We can tell. A man is
2: only good as, is only good as his word. When the man's words no good, the man's no good. If you say something to me, you better believe you better keep your word. But I'll keep mine. If you don't, I don't want nothing to do with you no more. You know,
0: so. Well, you know what, but, th- but that's a badge of honor. I mean, my dad was the same way. I'm Italian, you know, that's how I grew up. And I tell everyone, let your yes be your yes, and your no be your no. Because I agree with you, 100%. So, um, so listen, guys.
2: You know, you know, you know my had a- unfortunately, what has happened, and you see it in people that are, are you know, computer uh, savvy, and they watch this and they watch that. There's a tremendous amount of guys that I got no use for. And you can find them on these YouTube and stuff. These are so called, you know, white guys that all of a sudden they, they opened up their mouth because they can't do time. They don't
1: want to go dude. you know. This, to me, they're full of shit. They right. never what tough guys. You understand? Know I right. I
2: called them out. You understand? Know I and if, if you got to. If you did something, own up to it, keep your mouth shut, do your time, and and, and move
0: on. There you but go.
2: Don't, don't, don't uh, you know. So. Don't tell me you're a dumb guy and all of a sudden you want to do a, a, a TV show or a thing where, oh, I did this. Oh, yeah, you ratted out everybody. Yeah. So, so you're wonderful. Get the frig out of
0: here. <laughs> so, guys. um be we're coming We're coming to the close of the show. You still have a few more minutes. Okay. But Frankie, I want you to be able to tell, and, and also you too, Stevie, I want you guys to be able to tell everyone how to find you, whatever it is, do some more advertising, tell everyone whatever it is you want them to know now.
2: Well, listen, Stevie, I think I, uh, I, I said what I wanted to say right now. Why don't you, uh, okay, the bull by the horns and, 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 and tell people uh, about your record company and, uh, the people that you got on your your, your list and stuff. Yeah, tell them a about yourself. All right. Uh, I own Street Corner Entertainment. Re- that's enough. That's
1: enough. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I own Street Corner <laughs> Entertainment. Entertainment. <laughs> it's a website that's interactive. We have a number of artists on the label. Um, and there's an artist page you can look and in- see. You know, you can see who's on the label, and there's, there's others that are on there, on the label that haven't, uh, we haven't put their profiles up yet, or the bios. Um our label, uh, is dedicated to the preservation and, uh, the proactive uh, movement of vocal group harmony, uh, the doo sound of the, the 50s and 60s, and the northern soul sound of the 60s as well. Um we also do rockabilly and archival music, uh, on two other labels, Ravenite and Dungeon Records. Um, You can find us on Facebook, you can find me on Facebook under Stevie Dunham, I'm there all the time. Uh, Frankie's on Facebook under his name, Frankie Citro. Um, um, Some of the projects that we have upcoming, Frankie mentioned that there's going to be some stuff that he's going to be recording soon, and they're going to end up, uh, I'm going to end up putting them out and distributing them, so that's a a wonderful thing. Um, We have a plethora of talented people, everybody on the label's hand-picked. There's, we just don't sign everybody up on the label. So you gotta be special you gotta bring something to the table something unique that's a little bit off the cuff a little bit that's gonna be attractive you know and it's all uh, it's all good stuff it's all positive uh, stuff I'm, I'm
2: really happy to do this for the last 31 years
0: Wow, this you know, is I, uh, awesome
2: On a little bit of a selfish note I want you giving give me the opportunity Jerry uh, is, is that I'm sort of coming out of the woodwork again. I think this is going to be another hurrah for me. And I want to tell some of your listening audience, listen, you never know how much money somebody's got in their pocket. You never know how much somebody really likes something, whatever. I want to tell you this here. If somebody is interested in having a show done and they want to get a hold of me, call Jerry and she'll call me and then I'll get in contact with you. And depending on what your budget is, I can always put something together. In all probability, I'll incorporate Stevie with it, you understand, and some other friends. And I will promise you this. You will get your money's worth. Absolutely. You know? so,
0: Absolutely. Beautiful. Uh,
2: is, uh, and, you know, in, the time, in, in this time of need for everybody, uh, I, I would just ask everybody to be just a little kind out there. That's all.
1: Yeah, that's very important. You know, Frankie, without our fans, we're nothing. Right. We do this for them. And that's, that's important. It's so important. Because we do a million of these shows and talk about ourselves and our lives. But without the listeners and the fans, we can't live without them. They, they, they are that's what makes. Sure.
2: That's for sure. That's for sure. Those are the people that pay the bills down the road. And you know, uh, you know me a long time. If I say I'm doing uh, a do wop show, that's what you get. You get a do wop show. Right. If I say you're getting a, a wise guy show, you're getting a wise guy show. You're not going to get something like it, or you know. So you get what you paid for, you know. And I don't mean to make it in a dollar and cents thing, but I'm a man of my word. I always keep it. I never break it. I don't allow anybody to break this, you know. Wow. So, uh, You know, I don't know how much time we got, but I I want to also say, Jerry, I want to say thank you in more ways than one for being so nice to me Uh, in the last month or two that we've been talking to. I am so proud to be part of your audience, uh, and I hope I did you some kind of justice. uh, I want to tell you that. It just means an awful lot to me. I'm your new friend. Oh. If you ever need me, you don't have to yell. Just whisper, I'll be there. Oh,
0: that's beautiful.
1: I'm, I'm very honored to be on your show too, Jerry. Thank you.
0: So listen, guys. All right. So guys, um, first of all, I want to thank everybody out there listening um, Everybody is having a blast Listening to you guys I want to thank both of you Stevie, of course, you know how I feel about you And thank you so much And um, before I get into how I feel about our guests I just want to let everybody know That my show on April 8th at 2pm Will have another friend of Stevie's Peter Chicona. Um, yes, uh,
1: Peter is the bass singer For a vocal group in New York Called The Exquisites They're also on Street Corner Entertainment um, he's the only member of a vocal group where it's a, there's a father and son involved with it, and he's got an interesting story to tell, and to, to elaborate the history of that group. It goes back nearly 40 years.
0: And I want to extend uh, a co-host invite to you as well, if you'd like, for that show. Okay, so yeah, sure. you, you have that, C V. So now, my incredible guest, Frank, who is now my friend, Frankie. I love you. Listen, you. Um made this show incredible, I have to say. Your humor is off the charts. I love it. Um your heart, I could tell, you have a great heart. And and hello again and thank you to your wife who's sitting there listening to this show for sharing you with us. Um you made my day, I have to say that. Uh you know, I thought this was gonna be a really interesting I'd make you a night. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I bet you would, Frankie. I bet you would. Um but no, you know, I didn't know about the Elvis thing, so you even brought more to this table, okay? And uh, Thank you. I'm going to give you my address. I want that poster, please. I would love that. Thank you. And also, any anytime we'll set up another interview, I would love to do this again with you guys. Um, and most important, everybody out there, we are all going through a difficult time right now. Um, stay safe. S- listen, stay close to God. Because he, he hasn't left us. He hasn't left us. So, put your faith in him right now, and he'll keep you okay. He'll keep you above the water right now, because people feel like they're drowning. And um, we're not drowning, guys. We have gotten through everything our entire lives, right, to be here today. We're going to get through this together. So... Like Frankie says, be kind. So I want to say thank you again to Barb and Angel out there. I want to thank, you, say thank you for having us on. Remember Then Radio, we just love you. Um, yes,
1: we do. Without Remember Then Radio, right. I mean, they're the greatest. The Stephen Barber, just fantastic people. Yes,
0: we love you. Um And now I just want to say thank you again to everybody, to my my two incredible guests, and I love everybody out thank there. You, and sir. yeah, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you, and stay thank safe, you. everybody. And ciao.
2: Stop that, the Senorita. All right. All right, you take care of yourself,
1: Jerry. Thanks for having us on, and uh, God bless.
0: You. God bless you too. All right.